In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an amazing guest here with me today. Ryan Holtz. Ryan, how are you? I'm excellent. I'm here for you. I'm great. Such a pleasure to meet you, my friend. I'm just honored, you know, I'm honored and I love your energy. And like, I just can't wait to hear your story and, and what you're all about. Well, energy, you know, I, I'm, I am big on energy and I feel that you can always transfer energy no matter where it is. And I am a huge proponent, you know, with this whole COVID thing since March of last year, I tell people all the time, I'm like, listen, you just because you're not in somebody's physical presence does not mean you cannot transfer energy. I can transfer energy through a text message, depending on the emojis or exclamation marks. I can transfer energy through this camera right now talking to you. You know, the energy you show up with is the energy that you'll be remembered for. And, and people need to really understand that. I love that. I love that. And, you know, your story, I've read up all about you and I'm just like blown <laughs> away at your awesomeness. So I guess the first question for you would be, you know, what led you on your journey to get to where you are today? Loaded question. I know but you can answer. It more. is uh, pain, suffering and desperation. That is the answer. You know, I, I, uh, I, I grew up uh, very, very, I don't want to use the word poor, but very, very humble beginnings. My, my mom had, um, I was raised by a single mom. My mom passed away at 13. I talk a lot about that on my podcast because, you know, I really came to grips with that. It's a traumatic instance because when you don't have mom and dad and you lose your mom, which is representative of both my parents, you don't have parents. And when you're 13 years old, I don't know, Pam, if you remember when you're 13, you don't know what the hell you're doing. You don't know yourself at all. You're going through hormones. You're hitting puberty. I feel like, and I am a dad now, and I can say this, and I'm like, I have, you know, a 21-month-old daughter, Talia, and my, my four-year-old king, and I call Talia my little queen, and Dejan's my, my little king. And, you know, they need you. They need mom and dad. They need their parents, you know. But I think even as they get older, because I can see my son now, it goes from let's changing diapers all the time to dad. I want, I want a relationship here. I want to talk to you. I want to, I want to feel you. I want to, I want to, I want to give you ideas. I want your perspective. And that's where, you know, having that parent child relationship is so huge. So for me, my mom was great. The 13 years I had her, she, you know, literally poured into my cup every day, how great I was, how great I was going to be. And I think about it. I'm like, she, she did a wonderful job raising me in the in the short time that she had and it, it's stuff that I still take in everything I do to this day the picture on my wall there that's my mom when she was a little girl and this is called my I am enough wall and it's a wall that represents little things for me that has always been just if you have any kind of self-doubt or anything like that keep going just keep going so yeah it started out and my mom you know my mom later on in her life kind of developed you know, a huge mental illness, but my mom's biggest weakness was letting everybody step all over her. And we still think to this day, my mom died of a heart attack at the age of 42 years old, which is so young. The doctor even said, you know, I'll give my medical opinion, but I think stress just ate her up to a degree. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know, set boundaries. Do not let 
everybody take from your glass because how are you going to pour into others? If you are no good, you are of no service to any other people. So that's kind of my trajectory. And it, you know, again, in terms of uh, monetary material, I didn't grow up with much, but in terms of love, guidance and care, I grew up very wealthy and I love my mom for that. But that being said, I was left with nothing and I, and, and I had to make a life. And I literally, I feel like my story is somewhat of an immigrant story, even though I was born in North America, because when I talk to some of my friends that are from other countries and, you know, hear about their grandpas and families and coming over $2 and the boats and all these things, I'm like, well, I didn't come over on a boat, but I, I mean, I couldn't even get on a boat here. Like it was a weird feeling to feel like you're almost growing up in a third world country, but you're in a first world country and it just that disparity. So to answer your question, yeah, it's a loaded question. So it's a long answer, but the motivation was, I want to create a good life. I want to give myself everything I didn't have. And then I want to give my kids everything I didn't have on the monetary basis. But what I've uncovered, and I've built a great life now in terms of monetary and material, I got homes and everything I could ever want is, it's kind of funny, but I'm going to say this. It all means shit. <laughs> I don't even care about it. Like it's, uh, you know, it's funny because you, you work your whole life and you're like, I want to buy this. I want to buy, it. I want to get all this stuff. And, and then that motivation, once you get it, it's gone. And then you start digging deep inside yourself and you're like, no, man, you don't, this, this is all just materialistic. What kind of impact do you want to have? And for me, my definition of true success is personal mastery that impacts the masses. And that's what we're going for now. So that's your answer. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. <laughs> You mentioned so many things that I have questions on, and I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your mom with that. And the reason I'm asking this is because you, I just never know who's going through, who's listening, right? Who's mm -mm. the loss of a parent. How at that age were you able to, I don't want to say overcome because there's really no overcoming it. How did you cope with it and move forward? I think for me, I basically, you know, there is a lot of people out there in my situation. And it's really interesting because I would say up until I was about maybe 20, 21 years old, like you, you could not get me to talk about that situation uh, of my mom. And I, I didn't even realize how deep I packed it away that, you know, you see a football helmet over here, 13 years old, right after my mom passed away. By the grace of God, I was, I think I was like grade seven, eight, and I'm sitting in class and uh, I was a big basketball player back then. And this, one of my friends comes in, I'll never forget his name was Dylan. I need to give that guy a shout out one day too and find out where the hell he is because I don't know where the hell Dylan is, but shout out to you, Dylan, because you helped me. He, he said, Ryan, there's a, we have a trial for a football team. I said, yo, man, I don't, I said, I don't want to get it. I, and I was always like kind of a metrosexual dude. I said, I don't want to, I want to get hurt. Like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to mess all this pretty face up. You know, I don't, I don't want to get, I don't want to get no scratches or bruises. What the heck, man? I want to, I want to go to basketball. I want to sweat and I want to, you know, put on my nice sneakers after and roll out. And then that's it. And he says, no, Ryan, I, I think you should really come check out. Just, just try, just come. I told my coaches about you. And at that, I don't know how it works in the States, but in Canada, you know, you don't have like a football program at that grade. So basically you're playing on like a club team. So I went out and, and the guy's like, well, here's the ball and run. I'll never forget it. It was the most liberating thing because I didn't know what I was doing. I realized how mad I was. I took the ball and I ran. I was a running back and I ran. The quarterback snaps the ball. He brings the ball back to me. I run through the line standing straight up. And everybody who's listened to your show, if they've ever played football or they're football fans, if you run through a line of scrimmage standing up, you're going to get killed. I didn't care. So I knew at that time, I'm like, you are so pissed that you just took this ball 
and ran through a bunch of guys. And I have the game tape still. It looks like I was running and I was just running through. It looks so aggressive and so careless. And the guy comes over, he says, Ryan, like, if you keep doing that, you're going to get hurt. And I think I just said, like, I don't care. I just, I'm so pissed off. I just want to break heads right now. And that was the beginning of my football journey. So how did I cope off the hop was I immediately got into a program that allowed me to take out my frustration in a legal and directed way. I got to go every day, five days a week and break heads and take out complete mass aggression. And it turned out pretty good for me that by the time I was done football practice, I was A, I was hurt and B, I was too damn tired to even remotely get upset. And it was a form of therapy. And, you know, I don't think I realized that at that time, but obviously as you grow and mature, you realize this was something that saved your bacon. So much so that, you know, I went all the way to university, played, did very well, brought a lot of that, was thinking about playing semi-pro here in Canada, started my first business, but I go into schools pre-COVID and I have a talk that's called resiliency and I talk a lot. So I'll go into a grade seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 school and I'll talk about football But what I lead with is, I don't care if you play football, but if you're going through some traumatic stuff, whether you were abused, whether your home life is terrible, whether you're dealing with death, find your football, whether that's painting, whether that's playing an instrument, whether that's playing a sport, whether that's just something that is going to take you and just somewhat give you some guidance. Find a healthy escape is what it really is. Now, as we know, a lot of people don't find a healthy escape. They find terrible escape that leads to more problems and more issues. Kind of how I coped. And then I think my mom had always raised me very independently. And she was a a banker in the height of her career. And so she would actually send me to the bank with these handwritten notes back then. I think I was like 11, 12 years old. I would start cashing checks. So she'd give me a check. She'd give me a handwritten note. And back then, I don't know how old you are, Pam. I'm 36. But back then, you could actually do that with your kids. Now, you'd be like, no, you're, the bank is going to be calling the Child Protective Services. This is not appropriate for a child to walk into a bank and cash a check. And then I think about it and I said, you know, because people ask me, hey, did your mom ever think what you would do when you grew up? She always used to say two things. She's like, you're either going to be a performer. Well, three things, a performer, a lawyer, or a business owner. And that was, and she just was like, no, that's, that's my son. That's my boy. And, you know, she just said, man, go be the king that I made you to be. And she named me Ryan because Ryan means little prince. So she said, well, you know, you're going to grow into a king. So, you know, I I love, I love my story. You know, it's, it is heartfelt, but, you know, I learned that people should share their story because I cannot tell you how many messages I get when people hear, hear my story and they say, man, Ryan, I'm going through this or, you know, wow, I went through that. Or, you know, you shared your story. So it made me feel comfortable enough to, to share a little bit of mine. So many people are going through something that uh, I just say, you know, man, don't, don't bury it. it. It will not do good when you bury it. You gotta share it. It's just, even if it's just for your own selfish reasons of getting it off your chest. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I agree with you. Like you gotta have those outlets. Because if you don't, of course. Like, like you're human, right? You have stress, you have all these, and that goes for anything really. Like you need to have an outlet that helps you, right? Of course. Because how else are you going to excuse that from your system? Because then, like you said, you can turn to all different kinds of things if you allow yourself to, or, you know, if you don't, if you're not intentional about how you do it. You have to have emotional nutrition. You know, it's like, 
An emotional nutritional hack is every day to wake up and say three things that you're grateful for. It's automatically going to change your whole mindset, right? It's people have to understand that, you know, you got biohacking and emotional hacking and spiritual hacking and, and food hacking and all these things. Your life is very, you know, comprised of so many different things that, you know, you have to be extremely self-aware and, and really learn yourself. When you learn yourself, I mean, man, you, you become a power, a beast, right? I'm all about the beast stuff. And it's interesting because the more you learn yourself, the more you understand how much you don't know about yourself. <laughs> so yeah. I don't, I think the beauty of life is you're never going to get this hundred percent answer. You know, you're going to consistently, persistently uncover new things about yourself. And when you uncover new things about yourself, you're now uncover things about others. And then your whole world experience is going to be that much different. Absolutely agree. I absolutely agree, Ryan. And like the the crazy thing is too is like as you're you're always evolving. So when you you figured it out, and then it morphs again, and you're like, that's happened to me twice in my life before. Twice. You got it. Yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm on your show right now because there's you got a good energy about you, and there's something that you know you're doing your little uh, Reno tips, and you know, and your your set. What do you call your Saturdays? What's the Saturday thing? <laughs> So you got, saucy Saturdays. Saucy, yeah, you got the saucy Saturdays, and you know you're showing up, and you're doing it. You're doing a different vibe, you know. And you've you've invested in your brand, you know. Your LinkedIn, you got your little cover, you got your header photo. You're just you're you're invested in your brand, you know. You got the red, you got you're rolling with the red. You know, we talked about the whole Albanian thing and the barstool sports, and I mean, I remember certain things of people because they're the people that really stand out. So people are surprised that when I remembered little details, they're like, wow, like you. Because I think a lot of people just talk on the phone. They send direct messages all the time. And I do it too. And I'm like, I know I'm never going to talk to this person again. <laughs> like, did you, it, like, you were never going to, we're never going to be homies. Like, we're never going to, why am I even typing this right now? Like, what am I, like, this is, you know, this is social media. And I think that, you know, for every 50 interactions you have, if you can maybe find one that's nutritional, then it's worth it. Oh, a hundred percent. And I remember, I'll never forget when I got the audio message from you. I'm like, yes. Whoa. Like it's so personable. And I was like, and that's where you really, when you were talking about transferring energy, I like felt that. And I was like, wow, mm. really outstanding. And like, just showing up it's it's ryan i'm like i want to get to know this guy he's so awesome <laughs> and i encourage and i encourage people this because this is what i like about the internet because we know on the internet there's a lot of people posting a lot of stuff that's just not true this isn't even who they are in real life because prior to covid when we would actually sit down and do meetings and go out for lunches and that would be you know a form of networking i always just say not working because people be like you want to go for lunch i'm like for what like this is going to be an hour it takes 20 minutes to get there 20 minutes back like what do you want to do for lunch? Like, you know, because I'm, I'm a time person. I'm like, yo, I want to make, I want to, I want to be as efficient as possible. And it's so funny because people say, why do you really want to be efficient? I said, I want to be as efficient as possible in business in my day. So I have, so I have more time to spend with my kids and my family. It all comes back to, I want to be as efficient as possible professionally so that I can invest all my time personally. Yeah. Right. Right. So right. I think with the voice messages and, and people who are listening to this and your audience and, and social media is that I love video because I feel like it's hard for somebody to BS on video. Like when you're hearing somebody talk and you're seeing their hand gestures and their emotions, I just know that when I meet them in person, there's definitely going to be some authenticity and some carry over there. Cause it's hard to fake video. Right. And when you send, if you get on somebody's grid or something or social and you're like, man, I really like that person. And you're talking when you hear a voice message, man. I mean, 
there's so much energy packed into a voice and tonality that you're like, oh, wow. Like not only in what I'm seeing, I like, like, or I'm, I'm gravitating to, but this is actually this person. Like I can hear it in their voice. <laughs> no, it was so awesome. I'm impressed with that. I was like, well, I didn't even know audio messages like existed on LinkedIn until you sent me one. And I was like, oh my God, I need to do this. I'm like, why am I not doing this? My messages are 90% audio. I'm not even kidding you. And when, you know, when you're, you know, prospecting or maybe you want to, you know, get a new opportunity or business development, or you're trying to get a guest, I cannot tell people all the time, even a podcast hack, you know, you want to get a big guest on, yo, man, get in front of your mic and say, hey, this is why you should be on my freaking podcast. Listen, I've seen you do podcasts that are way smaller than mine and with no vibe. So here's why you, why you want to come on mine. Like Bar, like I, we have Barney coming on from, from K-Swiss. He's the president of K-Swiss. I said, yo, Barney, he's, I sent him a text. He's seen it. The scene, you know, when somebody scenes, but they don't reply. <laughs> so then I got on the video. I said, yo, Barney, I know you seen my message. But brother, you need to come on my podcast. And he actually replied back immediately. He was like, that was so awesome. Like I'm coming on the show. That was, you actually called me out on video and you said, you actually straight up went to the scene. Like, you know, and it's hard because if you don't respond to that, I'm sorry, you're kind of an asshole. Like <laughs> if somebody's videoing you and audioing you, no. I mean, come on, man. At least just say, no, I'm not interested. But you can't just be, if somebody shoots me a video, I'm like, come on. Like, you got to say something back. Like, it's just, just the fact that they did a video. Uh, like, I'm, you know, I got to give them some respect. Put some respect on my name. <laughs> I love it so much. I, I love your authenticity and your, your ability to just go out there. And I can see where it stems from a lot. It seems like your, your mom instilled a lot of affirmations in you at a very young age. And that's exactly what my father did with me too. Mm. Like, damn, you're going to be a leader. He's like, you will never, he's like, repeat after me. You will never depend on any man in your whole life. He's going to be depending on you. Mm. <laughs> so, like, this is the kind of stuff my dad was saying. And I didn't realize how, you know, how it really shaped me because you know, when I was about 13 and whatever, you know, I'm like, my dad's trusting me with all these things and I'm going out there and I'm confident and all that stuff. So like that parent talk and those really are strong affirmations. So I just find it beautiful that, that it's been instilled in you. From you know what word that is though? And, and I hate to say this word cause it's, it's kind of overused and overplayed and over indexed, but it's empowerment. When your dad empowers you, the very core of empowerment means to instill power into somebody to make them feel like you could walk this path alone and you're still going to be good. That is a gift that you could not buy, right? It's amazing because, and to speak to that, what's really funny is this. When we look at our podcast, our podcast has done very well. One of the top podcasts we've brought on all kinds of people. It does incredibly well. However, when we look at the audience, I'm 70% female. I got 70% female wow. listeners between the ages of 35 and 49 wow. that are, you know, professionally employed or looking to maybe start their own business. And I think about it and I'm like, but Ryan, you are heavy. Like, even if I look at my social media, I look at engagement and direct messages. I mean, it's got to be 70, 80% females that are actually engaging with me. And the reason I think that is, is when I used to play football back in the day, right? I would, all my friends were always females and I was raised by a woman. Oh. I am so comfortable talking about shoes and eyebrows. And are you threading? Are you waxing? Are you plucking? Are you, <laughs> I would legit use 
face masks when I was 14 years old. What 14 year old guy do you know that's up in the freaking like skincare aisle getting really biological about that shit, like really scientific, like that's going to clean the pores. Okay, wait a sec, nighttime. Wait a sec. Okay, I need a morning. Okay, wait a sec. Should you dab? Okay, never blotch around. Okay, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going Like, I mean, getting so like, like, I, and still to this day, everyone's like, Ryan, you have the most incredible skin. I do. My hands feel like baby, like baby's butts. They're so soft, right? So, so when I talk to, when I have a female guest on or, you know, I just always have been comfortable with, with females. And I remember in my dating days, prior to being married to my wife, I said, and my wife is uh, Egyptian Lebanese, so she's Middle Eastern, right? And I remember, you know, God, all my friends would be like, yo, Ryan, how are you, like, how are you always talking to this girl or this girl's coming to you? I said, listen, man, there's a rule to the game. First of all, there's levels to the game. Number one, nobody ever wants to go to the door that the door does not, you know, if the door's coming at you all the time and just bang, 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 banging, there's no attraction to that. It's the door that you're like, what the hell is that door over there? Wait a what? Okay, it's kind of open, kind of closed, right? And when you talk to females and you talk to people in general, the whole premise of everything is they're a human being, right? There's no magic. It's they're a human being. So when you talk and then you listen, and then you're actively engaged and you actively show support and you actively show you're interested. Well, there's no, this is a no brainer. Somebody's going to gravitate to that because you're, you're putting energy into that. Right. And I always like to say to people, does Versace come to you and say, buy my shit. Mm -mm. <laughs> does, Versace, does Versace even send you an email saying, buy my shit. No. Mm -mm. Versace sits there in the most expensive real estate all over wherever they're situated and says, yeah, our doors are closed. <clears throat> and uh, you know, this is our sign. And we're going to show, we're going to show you four products in our whole store. And uh, if you even have to ask how much it is, you probably shouldn't be here. <laughs> yep. Amen. Right. And so you have to decide in life, do you want to be Versace or do you want to be Walmart? Cause there's a very, very different type of thing. Right. Kevin O'Leary, Shark Tank, he comes on the show. He says, Ryan, I, you know, I became who I am because of a very humiliating moment. He says, listen, you know, I had this job, ice cream place, and I go in, my boss, you know, it's coming to the end of the shift. And then my boss says, wait a sec, before you leave, I need you to clean that shit up off the floor. I need you to clean that, that gum that's all smeared all over the floor and do it now or you're fired. And he said, that was the most humiliating moment because first of all, I didn't understand how much power I gave to somebody else over my life. And he said, Ryan, from that day forward, this is his own words, quote unquote. He says, there's two people in this life, two types of people. One's going to own the store and one's going to clean the shit off the floor. You just have to decide which one you want to be. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> right? Isn't that the truth though? Isn't that the truth? And by no means did Versace or anything like I'm not saying you're going to become Versace overnight, because when we study some of the largest brands or some of the biggest and most wealthiest people, they were broke as a joke for a lot of their life. But you know what the difference was? They would not budge on their value. They would not budge. They said, this is me. This is what I'm worth. OK, you don't think so. That's not your job to determine how much I'm worth. I'm worth this next door. Next door, 
next door, next door, bye-bye, bye-bye. You know how many no's they said? You know how many times they're like, you know, they didn't take the check, right? And it's the famous saying, they pay you a salary to forget your dreams. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I could keep going, Pam. I could keep going. I'm passionate about life and this Me stuff because it's, it's true. It really is, though. It really is. I mean, entrepreneurship is the way. You know, my father came to the United States and he built his relationship with his mentor. First thing he said to him, the way you build wealth in America is this. A, you own real estate. B, you're a business owner. There are no other options. I mean, of course, there's stocks. It's there, true. But those are the main oh. things. You know? He, he, you know what's so funny, Pam, too? Here's, for, do you like to be called Pamela or Pam? Because yeah. I'm confused about yeah. this. Any what is what does everybody what does everybody call you? Because you refer to yourself as Pam, though, right? Pam, I, I have so many nicknames. My my old <laughs> my old call me what you want, just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, in college, my my DJ name was Pammy B. So anyone who knows me, yes, I hear if I hear the name Pammy, I know they're. From Come on, me. look at that controller back there, DDJSB three. <laughs> Come on now, slider. That's a DJ controller. That's a controller right there. Oh my God. I've DJ for years. This is the controller that uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff, Jeff made the button where you can just do the scratch. Every, every purist DJ is like, that's a piece of crap controller. So I kind of put it up there as funny. Cause they're like, that's not, you don't have to do anything. You just have to press buttons. <laughs> I had the same thing. Don't worry. Mine were not that, uh, not that advanced. I just started in college. Cause I was like, I can't stand the music that's being played. I just want to, I just want to throw my own parties. And that's what I did. I just found a controller and just rolled. Here's the thing about entrepreneurship. We don't mind picking shit up off the floor as long as we own the floor. Indeed. Right? Indeed. You see what I'm saying? Because because entrepreneurs, all you're doing all day long is picking up shit. I mean, see, here's the funny thing, though. This Because it's true, right? Kevin Leary says, hey, man, I'm working for somebody else. I'm not picking that shit up off the floor. But if he owned that ice cream shop, he'd be picking up that shit off the floor in two seconds mm. with no hesitation. No hesitation. So it's not that it's a pride thing. Because sometimes people... You know, they hear that statement like, oh, man, it's kind of arrogant. No, it's not arrogant. It's not arrogant. And I don't care that you're, you're, you're too fucking sensitive to hear the, the truth. Go be with your friends that say yes all the time. See how far you get in life. <laughs> You'll be with them at the same fucking level 10 years later anyway. It doesn't matter. Yep. You need tough love. Yep. Right. You need to know what's what. Right. Not I mean, not everybody loves me. In fact, I know that if 10 people meet me, five will hate me and five will love me. But here's what I love about it. They all will remember me. To come into a room and not be remembered is tragic. Mm -hmm. Oh, seven billion people, and we only know like I don't know how many names, right? I love this stuff. I think this is great. I hope your listeners listening to this right now, wherever you're at in your life, man, this is a beautiful time to be living. It is. This is a beautiful time. There is no set way. You don't have to go to school and do something that you don't want to do. You don't have to go to university to become successful. I, 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 that is a proven, proven statistic. You have to work. You have to show up. And you have to dig deep inside yourself and ask, who are you and who do you want to be? And success has nothing to do with money. That is the one thing I will say up front. Nothing yeah. to do with money. Oh, I 100% agree. My, my biggest quote is this. Hustle out beats talent every day of the week always man always right and it's you know i think money is money people equate success with money i'm like no are you happy yeah. <laughs> if you're happy keep doing what you're doing because mm -hmm. at the end of the day you can't take it with you right 
No. And people don't have to work at a job. Like people don't have to be an entrepreneur, like this whole entrepreneur thing and start a business, start a business, start a business. No, you don't have to. Not everybody's supposed to start a business. And there's being an employee or a team member is you can become very wealthy making being an employee, right? You know this, you can, you know, use that J-O-B, get your credit straight and go buy real estate. Go, yeah. go buy real estate. Cause you know, if you're, if you're a bank and you see a business owner, we got to go through way harder ringer to get any money from a bank as a business owner. Whereas when you got that paycheck, there's like, well, you got consistent income. And I always tell the banker, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not in consistent income. It's called rented income. Meaning you don't own your job. If the, your company says tomorrow, hey, we're, we're reformatting, take care, bye-bye, you done, yeah. right? So I'm like, that. Ah, it's perceived stability, perceived. Perceived. I agree with that. I agree with that completely. And like, I had another question for you regarding your story. So when you were in football, how did you, so how did your trajectory happen sort of after that? What was, what was your life like after, after football? Yeah. So, so when I played football, so originally I wanted to be a psychiatrist. Uh, I've always been fascinated with the mind, with the human brain. So I read lots of books on, you know, kind of why we do what we do, even though we don't even know what we're doing. And it's the subconscious that plays into the mind so much, right? If you can work the human brain, you can work anything in life, right? And you sit back and you listen. However, when I was playing football, I kind of said, I, you know, I, it's kind of weird because I was very good at football. You know, I made a great name on football. I don't know how I ever went down the path of all I ever wanted to do was be a football player, though. It was really interesting because while I was playing football, I also was in band. <laughs> I played the saxophone. So I was in a band. So I'd actually leave football practice. It's hilarious. I go from playing like the, the saxophone and then go put on the football helmet. And when I look at the trajectory of myself, I never, ever was comfortable just doing one thing. I always had so many different things about me that I'm like, I, I wouldn't feel good exploring one thing if I didn't know I was exploring the other, which is very interesting. And I didn't realize that at the time, but it was always kind of a like, even to this day, it's the one thing you'll never catch me saying on a professional front front, like I'm happy and I'm great. Like I'm good. Like I just not, it's always like, well, did I try that? Like, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like I want the full expression and I don't know that I'll ever feel like I'm fully, no, this is, this is it. Like, this is it. This is the thing. I think there's many things and I think it depends on the stage of life you're at. But uh, once I was done with football, you know, early 20s, uh, 22, 23, I kind of decided, do I want to play? We have, you have the NFL down there. And I thought, because when I, I went down to California from Canada, but I said, well, if I can't make an NFL team, this is not worth the money they're paying me for, for the abuse that's happening on my body. So mm -hmm. I came back up to Canada and I thought, well, I could play CFL, but these guys aren't making no money. Like they got to make, they have to have a second job. And I'm like, what are you going to, you know, bang up your body. But at that time I started kind of navigating the business world. And I actually was an insurance broker for a little bit. And it was, it was the first job. I thought I was just the man. Cause I'm like, man, I got a business card, <laughs> like 22, got a business card. And it was interesting. Cause I started looking at the owner of the brokerage and I started just I was in that guy's office. Like, it was like, he was like, man, you're always in my office. You're always asking questions and you're just like observing everything. And I knew I'm like, yeah, cause I'm trying to figure out like this guy's doing stuff differently. Right. You know? And I'm like, what is he doing? 
you know, I'm sitting at this desk and he's kind of like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm just going to go for lunch. And he's having his wife and dog come in and he doesn't look like he's stressed out. Like he looks like he's got his life set up the way he kind of wants it. Meanwhile, like I'm getting like a 30 minute lunch and two 15 minute breaks. And I'm like, so what's the difference between school? You know, now I'm paying somebody, somebody's paying me and call, you know, basically I have to say, daddy, mommy, you know, this is really weird feeling. But there was a guy that came in, he's a client. And another thing, people listening to this right now, you know, use your current situation to maximize for other situations that might come. So I don't care if anybody's out there right now, if you're in a job, figure out how they manage it, figure out the systems they use, figure out how the company came into fruition, figure out the pitfalls of the customers coming in, hear their complaints, understand what they love, understand what they don't like and be a sponge. Because there is an opportunity right where you're sitting that you're not even seeing. Trust me on that when I tell you that. So worked the insurance broker job for like, you know, one year, wrote so much business, was so happy and then sit down for my year in review. I'm like, man, I'm going to get such a great raise. And at that time, I was making like $31,000 a year. And I was like, then do the review and all of a sudden $2,000. He's like, listen, I'm so happy. I'm going to bump up your raise to $33,000. I was like, Whoa, wait a sec. With this, how many years would it take me to even like crack 50 grand? I'm like, this is not going to work out for me. <laughs> so I opened up my first company called Q Digital Design. And uh, it started out as a web uh, website design company that actually fruitioned into a, into a video production company. Wow. So when you see my videos online and stuff like that, I'm still to this point, I still edit all my stuff. And, and I'll get to why I do that still. But the video production company, I learned how to video edit and I started doing health and safety videos for oil companies here. So at this time where I'm situated in Canada, it's kind of like the Texas of, of Canada where oil's rampant. So I figured out that there was a gap in the market where they, when they were inserting uh, the rigs and the oil into the ground, they wanted to start documenting it on video so that when it came time to get permits from the government, they said, listen, our health and safety program is absolutely incredible, airtight, play tape eight, Ryan, boom coming in, going out. And I found a great niche. So I built that business. I left the insurance broker job because it got to the point where I think one day I was taking a call and I was sitting in the bathroom in the stall. And then my boss came and I didn't realize my boss was there and he's taking like a piss next door. <laughs> and uh, I'm in full-fledged uh, negotiation business mode. And he heard that. So when I got back to my desk, he's like, Ryan, was that a call for our clients or was that a call for your clients? <laughs> <laughs> I managed to pull it off for a few months and then that was it. I was gone. And I built that business uh, 24 years old, technically started. I, I incorporated August of 08, 08, August 8th, 2008. That's when I, that's when I started that. So 08, 08, 08. Cause I thought, Hey, this is really good luck. I still got my articles of incorporation for that business. I sold it three years later, 27, 28, fumbling my thumbs and said, Hey, you know, what should I, uh, what should I do now? You know, like, what, what am I doing now? And then I took this job at a little car dealership and uh, we became within eight months uh, featured alongside Barack Obama when he was doing his campaign through Twitter. And I only worked that job for eight months and then I got all this publication and media attention. And then I left and I opened up my own company that I'm doing now. And the rest is history. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. I absolutely love that. I love your trajectory and your different experiences that sort of led to huge. That's incredible. That's incredible. And what has been like your biggest aha moment in your business? That I will always be the brand. 
that people are, they're not coming for, they're not necessarily coming for your offering. They're really coming for you. Like, and, and yes, when you start building a big business and you have employees and stuff like that, you know, definitely you can scale that. I, I think though, right now, I think even with COVID too, it feels like people are really wanting to know what's behind the logo. And the one question you only have to, this is the biggest question you have to ask, answer. And if you can answer this question as a business owner, you'll do fine. But if you lead your whole business and your marketing and all your initiatives with this one question, it's going to change your life. What's in it for them? And when you center everything around that one question, you know, you're a content creator. Why should I listen to your podcast if you're not upfront telling me what's in it for me? Yeah. I'm not listening to your shit, yep. right? They're not going to listen to my shit. Hey, this is the Ryan Holt Show. And today, Ryan's going to talk about why Ryan is great. And Ryan is, this is Ryan, 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 Story Brand 101. Like, you have to invite them. You cannot be the hero of your own story and, accept, and expect to attract other heroes because they're like, well, you're the hero. I'm the hero. I need somebody who can be the hero, right? So you have to always serve the, the answer of what's in it for them through your content. Yeah. You're doing that. Saucy Saturdays. Here's a renovation tip. You know, hey, man, you need ventilation going out there. Things might not happen. Bad things might happen if that's not there, right? So you're leading with what's in it for them. And your, your tonality is huge. Like when you say things like me, like if your first word is I or me, it's not good. But can you imagine when you say something like, just imagine, Pam. So your listeners are listening to this right now. And everybody listening to this show right now, just imagine you're walking down the street and man, this one thing happens. And like your listeners are like, whoa, whoa, wait a sec. Whoa, what? Okay. Like you're bringing them into the story. Yeah. You're getting them curious, right? So it's like when you release a podcast episode, like right off the hop, it's what's in it for them, right. you know? Amen. Yeah. By listening to this, you can, or you can, or five things you will, you, yes. you, you. I love that. It's a very important distinction for sure. Very. Because it's like very. in it for them. And plus, like, that's where the laws of reciprocity kicks in, right? When you're course. giving, 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 the universe will always give back to you in some special Of course, way. of Our course. So many different things. But if you're out there just like giving that love and, and continuing that, it's amazing. And I think I read somewhere in your story too that you were in real estate investments for a little bit too, right? Still doing it. Still, still doing, doing it. it. I love still it. Do, still doing No, still doing it. I have a... Yeah. I'm I'm in my home in BC right now. I have I have two homes. So one is in one province, one's here. And then I have rentals. I got Airbnbs. I don't talk about the real estate too much at all. It is, but yeah, no, no, heavy, heavy. I I did my first flip when I was 18 years old. That's what I read. Yeah. And I was yeah. Like, fascinating to me because I always preached the whole thing, what you just said, what's in it for them. Diversify your revenue streams, my friends. Like you yes. Gotta do it. You got it. Yes. It's the key. Yeah. It, it is the key. And when you talk about real estate, real estate is like a long, like it's a long game. You know, you really got to do, I mean, for, for me, uh, what I, you know, unless you're going to, and there is a, there is a luck component to the flip because, you know, I think of back when I did the apartment flip, I'm like, it was just the right time in the market, you know, I, and I, and I got this right deal and this right property and the mortgage rate was great. Like it, like there were so many things that literally came into play that, it had to be a little lucky because it was so perfect that it was only you to you could only screw up the deal to not make money. But 
when you're in a different market or, you know, wherever you are locally and, and depending on what, what's happening there and where you're buying it, like there's so many factors into that. But the one thing I know to be true is if you can do the buy and hold method and be patient and sit on it, you will make some money in the end. That is almost like, like a fact, but whether you can hold for two years or five years or 10 years or 15 years, like when I say long game, it could be long, which means that people get into real estate. They're like, well, Ryan, I'm not making any money. Like I didn't make any money this month. I'm like, yeah, if you're getting into it for that right off the hop, I mean, be careful because, you know, yes, you can cash flow off a rental property and things like that. But, you know, people are coming to you with kind of unreasonable expectations. We're like, well, how come I didn't make, I want to make 50 grand off this thing next month. I'm like, well, okay, whoa, whoa, you know, you bought it. How much you buy it for? Like the market's not going to increase in a month, a month, 50 grand on 50 grand on your property. Like, unless, unless something crazy happens with like the world and all of a sudden you lived in the ghetto and now it's the Taj Mahal. Like, I don't know, but you know, it's, it's a, not a game to, you know, and you know, this you're, and you're, you're way more experienced at it than I am. I know it, you know, kind of in depth from the investor perspective, but not on the side where I'm like a silent investor. I mean, I'm buying stuff that I own. So this is a, this is a me and my me that owns it. And it's not that I have a group of five, 10 people that are, you know, pooling money and resources. So, and that's something that you definitely I'll talk to you about one day. Cause I, you actually are going in there and flipping like yeah. you're, you're going in there and renoing. That's, that takes some big balls. Like literally, <laughs> like, I mean, you know, it does. Cause I'm looking at your videos and I'm like, Holy, like, you know, you're, you're showing, the studs and you're showing like the walls ripped out and the, you know, where the toilet was and the plumbing. And I'm like, like, you're literally playing the game of, you know, uh, put it back together. Yeah. And that's, that's a, that can be a very facetious game to play. And you, and here there's no guarantees cause you rip it out and you're like, I didn't know that was the issue. I didn't know that was an issue. Whoa. And then the moment you start talking about plumbing electrical, I'm like, Oh, that's money. That is some money. Ooh, that ain't cosmetic. That ain't cosmetic. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, like my recent project, and we ripped out the walls and everything, and then we saw like this—it's an old building. It's all brass piping. We have to replace all the plumbing because it's so temperamental with brass. It's like over the years, it's just like there's in the metal. There's like places where it can leak super easily. We just now the whole thing's gonna come out, and I'm like, this is a three-story building. It's like. <laughs> Your money maker, like your income, how you make money and live is through real estate, correct? Yep. So I have buy and hold properties and then I'm also a real estate developer and I'm also a broker. So I make money three ways. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. And then so the real estate aspect, because is it, is it like, are you in it with your family or partners or like just you, eh? Wow. It's just me. How how old are you? 29. (laughs) Man, look at you, eh? That's great. That's great. And then you're in the pizza business. I was. Or the restaurant business, right? I was until I was 21. I had two, I had two restaurants and then plus my father's restaurant. And so then I got into real estate development because I wanted to flip. And basically throughout the years, I've sold and leased my restaurants because I just couldn't. It was real estate got so crazy. And and then now into the empowerment world. That's why I was mentioning I had different pivots too, you know. Do you have a team now that works with you? Like oh, how, yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Back end operations, there's marketing people, there's social media people who post for me, like all that. Because you can't, without a team, you just can't exist, you know, doing all these different things. 
So it's I'm blessed. Well, and I know, and I noticed about you that when you do something, you're very like, uh, even when you sent over the whole, like, which I didn't read because it's too long, but the PDF and, and the guidance of the, you know, here's what we're going to do in the interview. And I, I seen it. I'm like, this looks really fancy. And I'm like, thank you. Bye. You know, because I'm like, okay, no, no, we'll talk. No worries. Like we'll handle this business, but everything you do is very, Oh yeah. And then I went to your calendar, your, your calendar link. And I'm like, well, you have different options. Like everything that you do is very detailed. Like (laughs) I, I'd like to say I was that way, but it's like, I think I'm just like, man, I'm kind of a, I don't want to say I'm a bulldozer, but I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. Let's do this. Boom. What's the time? Just, I need to know the calendar. Boom, boom, boom. And it's in the calendar. Once it gets in the calendar, it's like the, the, it's like the Holy grail because you know, my whole mind is like, when I'm going to do something, like when I'm speaking to you right now, my mind is nowhere else than you. Like the only thing that's going to take me away from right now was, is my, my wife says, Oh my God, there's something going on with the kids. And then I'm going to shut down the thing and run off. And you're, you're going to be just looking at this wall. <laughs> Cause I won't even have time to shut up. That's the only thing literally, because I'm just so, I, I feel like when you, when you show up for somebody like show up for them and give them your, your 110%, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that leads me to my last question for you, which is, you know, and I always ask this because it's always so powerful. You know, what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? What would my older self tell your younger self? Oh, man. You know, truthfully, it's you put a lot of uh, headspace into what you already knew you were going to do. And you kept almost not outselling yourself out of it, but you, you like, if I, it's the most basic thing, but if I go into a store or I, or I see this one thing, or I have this visualization of how I want it to look or, or this piece I've done a few times in my life. I'm like, you know what? Just, no, it's okay. It's not that way. Just let's get the other one. Don't worry. You'll make that work, man. I take that shit down within two days. Cause it just bugs me. Take that shit back. And I'm like, you better take my return because you, you know, if you Walmart, you'll take shit that you don't even own anyway. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But, but <laughs> you want to return something that you don't know where to return? Go to Walmart. Like Walmart will return everything for you. It's kind of funny. But anyways, I've actually done it before. <laughs> it just as a funny case study too, because they did take it back. <laughs> I didn't have no receipt or bank. I'm like, I bought this here too. It's like four years ago. <laughs> I can't find the skew, sir. I'm like, no, I don't know where that skew is. You know, did you wear this? No, I never wore it. It's like you, you weren't like doing a renovation. It's like a holy. Anyways, this is funny. I just got. I'm just. My mind is getting distracted because I had this conversation the other day. We just started laughing because like it's so true. It's so true. But you know, just never settling. Like you don't. If I have a vision, I have to get that exact vision, and. All the times I've been happy and succeeded the most was when I didn't go off course of that vision, right? And right now, you know, it's interesting because in my current situation, I started this podcast, the show. This show has hit me over the head in the sense of it's consumed a lot of my time and effort to the point where it's it's really weird. Like, I, I'm passionate about it. I love it. To the point where I'm like, I might have to go like to the point where my marketing agency, I'm like, like it's taking a hit on me where I'm like, I don't know if I, you know, I might sell my, I might sell my marketing agency and go all out on the show and, and do that. And it's, it's weird because I was going to talk to you about it because I thought, Hey, the podcast, I said, 
you know, when something comes on your plate and it's unexpected and it just like, you're just like, I'm passionate about this. It's a beautiful thing. But when you're known for like something else and you've invested into this other baby and then another baby comes, oh, you're yeah. almost like, no, baby, no, baby. I don't want to do that right now. Uh-uh. Like yep. different baby. Right. <laughs> yep. I think that's a big thing. So for me right now, I would have to say that, you know, the answer to your question is just don't ever unsell yourself out of what you know you want to get. Right. Because it won't happen. Right. And it's like I was saying, you're constantly evolving and pivoting, which is exciting. And, you know, and like in your world, what's next for you? I mean, I know you just mentioned the podcast, but, you know, what's, what's coming up next in, uh, in, in Ryan world? Oh, yes. I, uh, you know, you can find me on the Ryan Holt Show podcast. Of course, you know, we, we, we bring on um, everyday people all the way to celebrities, Kevin O'Leary, Shark Tank, to Montel Jordan, this is how we do it, to Seth Godin, to SWV, to Patrick David Valuetainment, all of these places. And, and when you come to our show, you will be enlightened with a great healthy dose of entertainment, but also massive business education. I'm very proud to, to, to announce that we've created a, a podcast accelerator course. So I have been investing into this course a lot of people, I've been having so many questions of people saying, hey, Ryan, like, how do you do this? Or, you know, this and that or, or a podcast course. And I said, you know what? I've never actually done a course before in my life. Um, and we started pre-ordering the Reinhold's Accelerated Podcast course, which basically goes over the technical side of creating a podcast. But it more so goes over how to get amazing guests and interview them in a way that just separates you from your competition. And then furthermore, how to market that out to actually get people to listen to it. So people just email info at ryanholtz.ca or Text me 780-218-5899 and just say the word podcast. And just check me out on social media at Ryan Holtz One. I own a marketing agency. I'm pretty easy to find though. You know, you know where to find me. <laughs> <laughs> You're amazing. I'll definitely have your links on your show notes without without a question. But Ryan, I want to thank you so much for being here today. You are out of this world awesome. And I'm just so pumped you took the time today to be here. So thank you for that. Thank you for having me. And I mean, I want to, I want to tell you, like you are a fantastic human and you make things look easy. And I, I know it's not easy and you're not, you don't, you don't ever show up with like not a smile. And I, I don't think, I don't know, know you personally or, or in your life, but I'm pretty sure, you know, when I ask everybody in your immediate circle, they're probably like, like Pam has got rainbows, no matter you know, what kind of clouds are, are coming over. And I, that's a true, true gift. You, you can see your spirit is there and the world will receive it. And just don't stop being you. You are a unicorn, my friend. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode. Oh,